The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Good morning. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler and Dr. Kathy Greenberg is uh, my co-host today. And we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. Today's show we're both very excited about uh, is how to become a respected leader with Dr. Mark Goulston, author of Get Out of Your Own Way at Work. Kathy and I want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. Thanks, Riley. We are really excited today to have Dr. Mark Goldston. And I think that, um, that Mark brings such a wonderful experience to today's program because you know we love to have leaders um, who bring us evidence-based practices. And we know leaders are the heartbeat of the organization. Most leaders, oh, you know, they really underestimate just how much influence they have over others. And thus they and their teams tend to underperform. But doing a few things differently can drastically improve your performance and your organization's performance. And what you'll learn in these shows are how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation and gender differences, which, as you know, is one of my hotspots, work-life balance practices, strategies for managing your boss, self-management tools to be your best, plus many more tools and tips. So we're really happy to have Dr. Mark Goulston today. And, Riley, I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about that. No, good. Uh, Dr. Mark Goulston is the best-selling author of four books, including Get Out of Your Own Way at Work, which we'll talk about, and Help Others Do the Same, and appears frequently in print media and on television and radio, including the Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Fortune, Time, Newsweek, he also has been on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, and BBC News. He's also been on Oprah and Today. Uh, so before we, we bring on uh, Dr. Mark Goulston, I wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, some of the research just in leadership development, well, really the why for this show. We know that you can increase performance as much uh, as 77% while increasing your life and professional satisfaction by as much as 50% with coaching. Both Kathy and I are certified coaches. Uh, and, and also Dr. Mark Golson is a coach, too. You can increase profit by creating coach networks inside your company in just one day. Studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. The other aspect that we know is that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. Incredibly powerful and influential. And emotions are contagious. Leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. The key to being a star performer, uh, which is someone performing in the top 10%, is emotional intelligence. And Dr. Mark Rolston is going to talk a little bit about that also today. And as a leader moves up the corporate ladder, about 85% of their competencies for success are in emotional intelligence. 
um, when compared to IQ, how smart you are, and technical expertise. And the reason that we're focusing on leaders and try to get them into the top 10% is that we know that leaders in the top 10% produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the uh, 89th percentile. And when you add coaching to training, training can help productivity about 22%, but when you add coaching to training, it can bump that up to about 88%. And we hope that you'll get a few small things we call micro-initiatives that you can do differently to create some macro impacts. If you're interested in more leadership and coaching information for your organizations, you can contact Dr. Kathy Greenberg at www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in uh, some more information with me, uh, my website is www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence books, tools, uh, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. Um, go ahead, Kathy. Oh, that's all right. I was just going to say, it's always such a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we both have great websites, and I'm sure that people would also like to know today how to get in touch with Dr. Mark Goldston. And I would say it's very easy if you know how to spell Mark's last name. That's Goulston, G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. And you go to Mark, that's Mark with a K, Goulston.com. So we'll add that to the mix today. Um, so as we were saying, today's guest is Dr. Mark Goulston. He's an executive coach. He's an advisor. He's trained um, as a clinical psychiatrist who's also done FBI and police hostage negotiation training. He's been a, um, gosh, he's been an advisor to so many companies. We have a partial list of, of his clients, which include GE, Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, Kodak, Federal Express, Accenture, Mild Home. Deutsche Bank, AstraZeneca, and Xerox, just to name a few. He's a nationally renowned expert in emotional intelligence, and he writes The Leading Edge. It's a column and a blog at Fast Company and directions for the National Association of Corporate Directors. We're going to welcome Mark to the show in a second, and I just want to tell you that I was very fortunate to meet Mark um, in 2006 when I was developing a training program for the Tucson Police Academy while he was completing and, uh, and finishing his last book, Get Out of Your Way at Work, which we're going to talk about today. And I asked Mark if he would share a few of the insights, tools, and techniques that he was about to reveal in his book with lieutenants and the sergeants that I was working with who did not have the luxury of a business school degree or training uh, in leadership program. And Mark was gracious enough to send me not only the materials from his book, but great advice and tools to share during that program, which really added to the results uh, of their leadership training. So, hello, Mark, and thanks for being with us today. Well, it's a it's a pleasure. I, I could I could listen to you go on and on about me. <laughs> People always say they're their favorite subject, right? Well, uh, I'm really looking forward to this, and I can hardly wait to find out what I say. Okay, good. Well, Mark, let's let's start off. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be uh, Dr. Mark and to become a great advisor on the subject of personal leadership? I'd uh, be happy to. <clears throat> oh, by the way, I, uh, uh, speaking of Dr. Mark, right. uh, I, I just uh, have a syndicated column through the Tribune, uh, the Chicago Tribune Syndicate, which is now, in the last couple of weeks, has started in Tribune papers in the job and career section called Solve Anything with Dr. Mark. So it's in the 
in the Sunday Los Angeles Times. Hopefully, we'll be going into the Chicago Tribune mm-hmm. soon. So if you are near a Tribune paper, hopefully in the next month or so, you'll be able to find that in the job section. Outstanding. Uh, but That's getting, terrific. Getting back to your question, though, um, I, I was trained as a clinical psychiatrist, and uh, I had no intention or thoughts of going into the business world, <clears throat> except I am a psychiatrist and I happen to be interested in people and psychology and, and we didn't call it emotional intelligence back then, it was just understanding people. And one of the parts of my career uh, was that I was specialized in sort of the darker side of life, death, dying, violence, suicide, and I did house calls to dying patients, uh, a number of them quite prominent. And uh, and I think what happened is uh, that I found myself being able to calm down and bury the hatchet in a family uh, at the 11th hour. And then the family said, well, now that the founder is gone and the second generation can't stand mm-hmm. each other, can you come in and get us to behave? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I transitioned into the uh, business world. But something that I learned about, and this will be the first take-home, I hope, of uh, several in today's talk, uh, there's something that I recently am calling the CPI index, and this gets also to the issue of how to be a respected leader, because as I think back to why is it that these families listened to me, and why did the founder even listen to me as he was dying, and I think... What I had in retrospect was something that I called a high CPI index, and what CPI stands for is clarity, preparation, and integrity. Uh, and, we, and those are the things that increase what I call our respect ability. Uh, people who are clear, well-prepared, and have high integrity, uh, we have a lot of respect for them. The reason we know this is that when people are the opposites, we lose respect for them. When someone, instead of being clear, is confused or confusing, they exasperate us and we lose respect for them. When someone is not prepared and shoots from the hip, um, we lose respect for them. Or if they come up with problems without having thought about what the solutions might be, we lose respect for them. And finally, when people... Uh, instead of having integrity, don't say what they mean and don't do what they promise to do, we lose respect for them. Uh, I think one of the best examples of someone with a very high CPI index is Clint Eastwood Mm. because he is very clear, he's very prepared, and he does what he says he'll do. And I think because of that, studios and finances will allow him to make money, uh, make movies, uh, that they wouldn't allow other directors and producers to do. And I think the importance of being a respected leader, as I see it, is that when we trust people, we like them, but we don't necessarily do what they say. But when we respect people, we not only trust them and like them and even love them, we do do what they say because we want their esteem for us. We don't want to disappoint people who we respect. And so as I go around the country in my writing and in my coaching and my executive advising, my key is, uh, my focus is on how to help people be a respected leader. And in fact, uh, something, that, uh, <clears throat> something that I've done recently, um, because what I realize is since I represent the soft side of life, the ROI-minded, uh, often more men than women, I have to command their respect early on so I have to demonstrate clarity, preparation, and integrity. 
And something uh, as I'm uh, as I'm initially meeting with companies that might hire me, uh, often what I will say is uh, it's interesting. I will ask them what what does success look like from this engagement. Mm. And often they'll say, well, we'd like our managers to become better leaders and we'd like them to delegate more, to communicate more, to uh, be more inspiring, you know, those kinds of things. And now what I tend to say when that happens, uh, I did this with a large company on Wall Street, I said, that's a pretty low bar. And they said, what? I said, so that's all you want? Uh, And they said, yes, uh, I can tell you that I got their attention by saying that. And I said, well, let me tell you what success looks like to me, and it's unnegotiable. Uh, and what I said is, to me, I, well, it looks like we have some suspense, and we'll have to talk about this <laughs> on the other side of the break. Okay, this is Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Mark Goulston. We'll come back. Uh, hope you're hanging on his words until what success looks like for him. in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. This is Dr. Kathy. I'm here with Dr. Relly Nadler and Dr. Mark Golston. We've been talking about CPI index, clarity, preparation, and integrity. Mark, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, as I was saying, uh, that, that I find that when you command respect, uh, people not only like you, they do what you say because they want your esteem. Someone mentoring me that you know well, Kathy, is Warren Bennis. And I meet with Warren probably every month to two months, and he can tell me to stand on my uh, head, and I would do it. Now, he wouldn't say that, but it's because I want his esteem. And, uh, and, and to be honest, it's like the movie As Good As It Gets. He makes me want to be a better man when I'm with him. But getting back to the story, I was talking about how do you as a service provider, as an executive coach, which is sort of the soft side of business skills, the emotional intelligence side, how, do you, how important it is to command the respect of the people that you're working with. And I find, uh, I, have a, I have a meter inside me that says, when I find myself trying to convince them of the value that I offer, I've, I, I've either lost them or I've lost their respect. So one of the other little tips that I tell people is you want to be, uh, you want to not only have clarity, preparation, integrity, but you want to be compelling, more compelling than convincing. Mm. And, uh, and compelling draws people to want to hear more. So finishing up the story, uh, recently as I've been working with companies, I'll ask them, what does success look like? And I get them to visualize what that is. Uh, and then I'll get them to define some of the parameters. And as I mentioned, recently a company uh, that I work with on Wall Street said, uh, well, uh, better delegation, better communication, uh, better, uh, uh, more uh, inspiration. And I said to them, uh, that's a pretty low bar. And that was immediately compelling. I mean, three people in the room who had been looking at their blackberries immediately looked up at me as if to say, who is this guy? <laughs> and I said, uh, I'll tell you the bar that I set, and it's unnegotiable. Uh, and, if it's not, and if it doesn't speak to people in the room, then I probably don't want to work with you. Amazing. Uh, and what I say is, to me, I only want to work with managers who want to become the kind of leaders whose people at the end of their career say the best years of my career were when I worked for that person. Mm. And so my model are people like John Wooden from UCLA, uh, Pete Carroll from USC, where uh, at USC, one of the Heisman Trophy winners, Matt Leinert, uh, he won it in the junior year, but he decided to play another year at USC risking injury because I think what he realized is this is as good as it gets to be able to play under Pete Carroll when uh, I'm just going to go into the NFL and make money. Uh, I want to get the most out of that. And so I think I know, and I think we all know, who those kinds of leaders are and that we should aspire to them, to be like them. And uh, Sometimes, Mark, we call them the, the best boss. So I think they kind of summarize what you're saying and raising the bar. Can, can they be the best boss that a person's had? 
Absolutely, the best boss of your of your lifetime. Yeah. And, and and it's interesting because um, also what I point out is I want you. I only want to work with people who at the whose people at the end of their life are most grateful to you. So mm-hmm. bosses that trigger gratitude instead of triggering attitude. Mm. Okay, nice play on words. I just made that one up. I'm even impressed. <laughs> on, on the spot, gratitude versus attitude. But, okay. but you have talked about self-defeating behaviors that impede productivity and success, and I hope that while you're on the show today with us, you talk a little bit about those. Well, the reason I wrote, uh, I have two books, Get Out of Your Own Way, which was a, a bestseller. I think there's 12, it's in 12 languages now, and 150,000 copies in print still seems to sell okay. And the sequel is Get Out of Your Own Way, at work and help others do the same. One of the reasons I wrote that, despite it not seeming to be positive psychology, is that self-defeating behaviors are, are behaviors we engage in to cope with stress as stress becomes distress. The difference between stress and distress is when we're stressed, we can still focus on our goals with difficulty, uh, but we're having problems because either psychologically, biologically, or uh, our environment is stressing us out. When stress crosses over into distress, our goal becomes relieving the distress, and we drop our goal. And all self-defeating behaviors make us feel better for the moment, but they're very myopic. They're very short-sighted. So saying yes when you should say no or uh, uh, procrastinating on something because you think you have extra time, or blowing off a boss or a client uh, to get something off your chest and then thinking, then having to go back to them, all of those things make us feel better for the moment, but then what happens is they trash our future. Uh, and, and the reason it's important to identify those things is that that's the animal part of our brain, reacting, as opposed to the human part of our brain thinking uh, and then picking the best decision. And so since there's more animal to us than human, I think uh, it's important to try to be aware of those self-defeating behaviors, catch them, and then commit yourself to being aware of them and correcting them. One of the most popular tools out of uh, get out of your own way at work and help others do the same is called the never again tool. Uh, and what that is, is that when you're laying face down in the consequence of a self-defeating behavior, in other words, you procrastinated on something and then you didn't get that raise or that promotion because you procrastinated too much. When you're laying face down in the consequence of, of having uh, done that self-defeating behavior, Rather than blaming others, making excuses, or beating up on yourself, the Never Again tool is taking out an index card when you're, when you're there with maximum pain and writing down, if I had this to do over again, what I would do the next time is A, uh, and then the, re- the, the result I would get if I did A would be B. In other words, that's the benefit. And then C is a person, this gets into coaching, someone that I can contact, someone that I respect, who will hold me accountable to doing what I say I need to do is such and such, and then contact that person. 
That's great because I think what happens for a lot of people uh, not using that tool is, is they get more on their case and that animal part of the brain gets more accentuated and they kind of just beat themselves up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I think that third component where, where coaches, advisors, and respected others really uh, come into play I think uh, an interesting distinction. If you're if you make a commitment to something, one of the one of the ways to prove that you're really committed to changing a particular behavior and sustaining it over time is think of the person that you respect most who cares about you in your life. And if they care about you, you could contact them and say, "I I have made a commitment to do this." And would you be willing to send me an email in a couple weeks or when we next meet to ask me if I kept my commitment? And it's interesting, a lot of people will back down rather than come up with that person because they so don't want to disappoint that respected other person. Mark, you know, I want to just tell our listeners that um, I remember this exercise, and it's in the October 2005 issue of HR Magazine. And I actually recently used that exercise. So for those of you who are listening, um, this little index card exercise is a real lifesaver. And uh, I, I would really uh, suggest that you, you try to pick it up. And, I, again, uh, Mark's uh, website is Mark Golston, G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N, that's Mark with a K, dot com. And I'm sure there's a lot more tools and tricks there as well. You amaze me, Mark. You, you, you have this never-ending ability to take a very simple way of being and create so much, um, I just want to say, power around it. it. It really helps you think about the things in life you can do every day to be successful. Well, I think part of that, well, thank you, Kathy, and uh, I, I appreciate that and the, and the, and the, and the love and respect, I can assure you, is, is mutual. Um, I think something else that I learned uh, from my work uh, with dying uh, patients and suicidal patients is, <clears throat> is that I think one of the keys to being successful, not only uh, in your professional life but in your personal life, is to really be able to listen deeply. Uh, that's a term associated with Warren Bennis. Warren is a deep listener. Yes, he is. And, uh, and, and what deep listening means is that when you listen to someone, uh, and I'll quote one of the influences, another influence in my life, a psychoanalyst named Wilfred Bion, B-I-O-N, who said that the deepest and purest form of listening is to listen to people without memory or desire. Because when you listen with memory, you have an old agenda that you're trying to plug them into. And when you listen with desire, you have a new agenda that you're trying to plug them into but it's not their agenda. And something that I have discovered, which I think has enabled me to break through to very suicidal people and in the hostage negotiation training, uh, something that I will teach senior hostage negotiators, uh, is to something that I call purposeful, agendaless listening. It's, not, it's P-A-L. It's how to really be a pal to someone. And so, and so it's listening between the words... And what I've discovered is if you can pause and listen between the words, you hear things. Uh, I'll share an interesting anecdote that, uh, that, that I think will speak to you. I remember a really high-powered uh, sort of AAA battery testosterone junkie um, executive was coming in, and I was seeing him, and he was talking a mile a minute. 
and I, I couldn't keep up with what he was saying. He was talking faster than either of us were thinking. And I said to him, be quiet. And he looked at me and he said, what? I said, be quiet and listen. And he said, listen to what? I, and, we'll, and we'll finish this story after the break. Line in Business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Before every word, there is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All Leaders Rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Mark Goulston. And, Mark, you just left us with another cliffhanger, so maybe we can finish this last piece that you had here. Well, I'll tell you, these cliffhangers and my ADD are not a good recipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what I, just to help you, you were talking about purposeful, agendaless listening, PAL. Right, and that is listening between the words to what people really really mean to say and what they feel. So I was seeing, coaching this uh, uh testosterone-driven, uh, fast-talking executive, and he was just talking a mile a minute, and I, I told him, I said, stop, listen. And he kept looking at me like, what? I said, just listen. And he said, listen to what? And then I paused, and I said, listen to the quiet 
It's located between the noise in your head and the noise in your life, and it is screaming at me so loud that I can't hear what you're saying, and you need to hear it. And he still didn't get it, and I said, look, close your eyes and just start to breathe through your nose, and I think you will start to hear it. So he closed his eyes, and with about 45 seconds, he started to cry. Not weep, but he just started to cry. And then after two to three minutes, he, he just kept crying. Again, not sobbing, but he was just, and then he, he was just breathing deeply. Uh, and then after a couple more minutes, he started flickering, his eyes open, his eyes were a little bloodshot, and he looked about 10 pounds lighter, and he had a big smile on his face. And I said, so what was that about? And he looked at me with this ironic smile, and he said, that's something I've been looking for all my life, What it, meaning the peace, the peacefulness. And the irony was, he said, and everything I do, everything I achieve and accomplish to get me there takes me in the opposite direction. Wow, that's powerful. And I said, well... Looks like you have a little bit to think about there. But that's what I would call an example of purposeful, agendaless listening. But we were going to talk about the CPI index and the presidential candidates because I think they, it offers a very good filter for understanding uh, what appeals to us. Uh, we, if, if I just throw out from past elections, moving up to the present election, I think in the election between... Uh, Kerry and uh, George W. Bush. Kerry uh, didn't come off as clear. He came off as prepared. There was some question about integrity, uh, but he didn't come off as clear. Uh, George W. Uh, George W. Bush came off as clear. He didn't really come off as prepared, but we thought, well, he can surround himself with people that might be able to prepare him, a la Ronald Reagan. And we felt he, in those times he, he had integrity, meaning uh, when he said he was going to do something, he was going to do that. And that was very appealing. I think uh, Gore, unfortunately, uh, came off. Uh, Gore is very uh, smart and I think very wise. But when Gore ran against uh, uh, President Bush, Gore came off as high in integrity and I think very prepared, but he didn't come off as clear either. Um, I think uh, a part of what allowed Bill Clinton to win, as he did, is he came off as clear, prepared, and the integrity was in question, um, but it was more so at the end of his second term. Uh, I think if we look at our current presidential candidates, uh, if we go through the, the Democrats, I think Hillary Clinton comes off as prepared, but... Uh, but we're not. But because she flip flops, we question the integrity because it feels like what she's doing is calculating in order to win the election, as opposed to do what's best for America. Uh, and I, I think she's clear in how she speaks, but the clarity changes as she does whatever she needs to in order to win. So I, I think the the sad thing about uh, for Hillary Clinton is she comes off as clearly ambitious. And to me, ambitious people, it's about winning. And also ambitious people don't really know who they are, so you don't feel, you don't get a sense of their being centered. 
what you get a sense of is they're wanting to win. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at uh, Barack Obama, he comes off, I think, as uh, high in integrity, uh, high in clarity, and then, of course, what we question is the preparation, and uh, that's that, that's the experience card that Hillary Clinton is throwing. But I think part of the appeal of Barack Obama is he to me he doesn't come off as so ambitious as he comes off as aspirational. And I think aspiration to to do the right thing and to be a better person, to me, feels more wholesome than being ambitious, which is about winning. Mm-hmm. And I think he comes off as aspirational. And 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 uh, and I think, given all the ambitions of recent presidents, I mean, I, I think we had felt that President Bush was not so much ambitious as he was pretty. Uh, clear on what he wanted to do, but now with the question of his advisors and what's been happening, I think the sad thing is it may some of the ambitious side of him may be showing through, which I think is tainting his presidency, and it doesn't even it doesn't need more tainting at this point. Uh, I think now John McCain, I think he comes off as high in all three: clarity, preparation, integrity. The problem is that uh, what he's clear about when he says certain things, like a hundred-year war, um, and, and things which are very clear, and he can and he can explain what that looks like. Uh, it may be a clarity that Americans don't necessarily want because you know we're, we prior to nine eleven we've been sort of an isolated, insulated country which we can no longer do. 9-11 threw us into the global community, and we're finally living with the fear and vulnerability that every country in this world has lived with forever. Well, so what's very interesting about this is um, just the difference between ambitious and aspirational. And I guess from my take on this, Mark, is the ambitious, it's driving to kind of fill maybe an internal hole where aspirational is a nice way of saying it. You know, there, there's kind of a higher good that they're trying to uh, uh, go after. Yeah, yeah, I, and, I, and I think connected to that is, is I get a sense, and again, this is just one emotional, intelligent, pundit person, so take it with a, you know, take it with a grain of Prozac. Um, I, I get a sense that, from my point of view, Barack Obama and his wife know who they are as people. Uh-huh. And uh, and they come from that. Uh, I, I I like them both both enormously. And and it's interesting. I think uh, Michelle Obama comes off as hard driving, uh, but she doesn't come off as a, in, to me ambitious. I think she knows who she is, she is, and she's very principled. Right. So I don't. I just find her to be tough minded in a good way as opposed to some tough-minded women who, unfortunately, have the uh, B word attached to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, unfortunately, what I find with the Clinton camp is that it seems much more ambitious. So, so I get a sense that Hillary Clinton doesn't know who she is. And one of the sad things that I'm feeling is I loved Bill Clinton in office. I mean, I loved his charm. He was He was kind of like a modern JFK. But as I've you know, see some of the, I don't know, the ambition, his ambition come through, it's, it's, it's taken away some of that uh, admiration that I once had. You know, I, 
I was just going to say that it sounds like the CPI has to be carefully married to this deep listening skill. And probably what will make the differentiator in any campaign, whether it's public or private sector, whether it's somebody running for a CEO position or the president of the United States or a foundation leader, is the fact that you said, Mark, listening with memory versus listening with desire um, creates the action that that person uh, is going to kind of go after that um, that solution set with. And to me, that's the big differentiator for any leader. What you just said is so important, that listening with memory or listening with a desire. Um, and I think that's the distinguishing characteristic here that you've just described. Well, I, well, I think, but, uh, let me clarify, but the, the best kind of listening is to listen without memory or desire, mm-hmm. right? to be mm-hmm. a deep listener. Right. And, and I get, when I've seen interviews with uh, Barack Obama, um, he is a smart person, but he doesn't come off as just a quick study with a pat answer. I mean, I've noticed in interviews that when he's asked a question, I can, it seems to me that he actually listens to the question and considers it and then responds. Uh, when I've seen Hillary Clinton in interviews, it seems like she already has a, she has like a hard disk of a hundred or a thousand different answers to any question. And it doesn't feel like she's really considered it. And, I, and, and again, maybe I'm reading into it, but uh, uh, I'm very sensitive to the skill of deep listening and the power of it. I'll share another Warren Bennis anecdote. Uh, Warren is very close friends with uh, Werner Earhart, who started Aston Landmark Forums. And, right. and sometimes when Werner comes to Los Angeles from London, he will have dinner with Warren and invite a few close friends, and I've been fortunate to be invited to those dinners. And and sometimes what the discussion will get quite heady between some of these very smart people, except Warren is not really talking. He's listening. And almost every time uh, I've gone to one of those dinners, there'll be a point in which the heady conversation in which people are engaging in sort of vigorous debate, but it doesn't sound like anyone's listening to each other. They're just competing with each other. There'll be a pause in which Warren is about to speak, and when he speaks, he will, uh, instead of saying his opinion, he will look to someone and say, "Uh, tell me more about that point you made. Mm. And it totally changes the conversation to cooperative and collaborative from competitive. It is fascinating to watch. So when you are thinking about all of these wonderful conversations that you have been engaged in as both um, a psychiatrist, as an advisor, uh, as someone who is really helping people. Um, How do you create programs that get leaders to use those? I want to talk about that when we come back. Line in business. Voice America business. 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic plays to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye, baby, by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News with Kathy Greenberg. Relly Nadler and our guest today, Mark Goulston. Mark was just talking to us about some of the um, the compelling ways that leaders uh, connect to people, and I'd like you to just talk a little bit about how you get leaders to connect to your programs. Well, there's there's two uh, programs that I'm I'm currently focusing on, and one is uh, in my coaching. I'm I'm moving into doing more shadow coaching, and what shadow coaching means is that I will spend a day or two days a month with various leaders uh, as their advisor and attend every meeting that they go to. The reason for this is often people are not accurate in the way they explain uh, their interactions with other people, and sometimes you can gather from a 360, which I might add to to the data I get, you know, how they're coming off, but uh, you know, uh, but live in your face, watching things does not lie. And and I seem to have an ability. I'm very fortunate 
where I can be very direct and blunt, and people don't experience me as judgmental. So I can. There was a leader I was working with recently, and and I, after a meeting, I said, I need to tell you something. Uh, and your wife's going to love me, but I don't know what you're going to think of me. You're boring, but you're very trustworthy, and. And so what you need to do is you need to start with your conclusions and then see if anyone in the room cares how you got to them because everyone trusts you. And I think uh, you're showing how you got to your conclusion comes off as, as uh, a little insecure trying to prove uh, that you're smart and you're analytical, but everyone already knows that. And by the time you come to your conclusion, people are asleep. And he started laughing. He said, my wife will love that. She says that to me all the time. And, and you have to have a special relationship. And I seem to be fortunate because what I've discovered is high performers who want to perform even better, if you can give them specific prescriptive input, not just tell them what the problem is, but how to correct it, they love it. I mean, they eat it up uh, because no one gives them that. Um, there was someone else I was working with, and I said, you know, I've listened, I've listened to you for an hour and a half in that last meeting uh, you did, and I don't know whether you have a nasal voice or you whine, hmm. but whatever it is, so-and-so across the room, it's like nails on a chalkboard to them. They must be getting hammered by their wife or their kids or something. And so, uh, but, so, so these leaders love that because they, uh, because they can just feel how it increases their impact. Right. Uh, another CEO uh, I intervened with, and I said to him, you are emotionally and personally shy, and, you're pr- and you love your family, my guess is, but you're not close to anyone, and when someone gets emotional, you hide behind your professional and technical competence, but you come off as condescending. Mm. And he loved it. I mean, he, he just laughed, and he said, who the heck are you? <laughs> and so, so that executive advising is something that I'll do on a one-on-one. Uh, and, uh, and then the other thing I do is something called Band of Brothers Team Building. And that's where I take a group of self-involved individuals and I break them down and get them to care about each other and the mission more than their own self-interests. And so that's very helpful for companies that are trying to push change down from the top uh, down through all, all the various levels. So I get grown men who are left brain, uh, some of them who have mild Asperger's syndrome, I get them to half of them to start crying. And I would assume that women get involved in this too. And, and, and women also. I've just, uh, but, the, but, but for some reason, are these management teams who are trying to push. Yeah, and everything that a boot camp or a band of brothers because it relates to the good military model that we have. Absolutely. It's yeah. called Band of Brothers yeah. because, uh, you know, you get them to stop thinking of themselves and care about mm-hmm. each other and care about the mission, and there's a way that I can facilitate that because once you hear that, for instance, in one of the groups I'm working with, when one of the person uh, that, that I facilitated shared that for two years at 7 p.m. he was leaving and everyone else was uh, kidding him, or you're leaving in the middle of the day when he revealed that he was leaving in order to visit his dad with Alzheimer's to give his dad dignity. Mm. And none of the people in the room knew that. It just totally changed the whole room, uh, and they could never go back to looking at him the same way. I mean, they looked at him in a positive way, and then everyone did something like that. But, but that's, that's kind of a service I provide to get everyone on the same page. Outstanding. 
You know, Mark, one question we want to have before we end, we've got probably just a couple minutes, is just the aspect of uh, impulse control, you know, going back to some of the candidates and some of the, you know, if there's a lack of impulse control, whether it's a candidate or, or a leader, I know that's one of the de- derailers that Kathy and I talk about, but maybe you can speak about impulse control for a leader or for a candidate. Yeah, in one minute or less. <laughs> one minute or less. Well, uh, I, I, I'm... A lot of my work is neuroscience-based, so what's happening neuroscientifically is when people are impulse-driven, their their animal brain overtakes their human brain, right. and they don't have an internal internalized other, mentor, parent, or someone telling them uh, to cool it, stay focused, don't shoot from the hip, and pause. And that's what and the difference between people that shoot from the hip versus shooting from their head is the people who shoot from their head often have an internalized person that they love telling them to not do what they're about mm-hmm. to do. Okay, that's great. And uh, would you concur that this is probably one of the, a critical derailer for, for executives when they kind of throw something out from that animal brain? Yeah, I, 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 I think it does. On, on the one hand, uh, we see them as forceful, but we see them as... Uh, we see them as wild. And in my book, uh, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work, one of the things, one of the principles I say is, uh, uh, anger makes you, uh, anger makes you wild. Conviction makes you strong. Hmm. And so what happens is, uh, for some of these candidates, they're person, they're taking things personally as opposed to taking things seriously and, and they lose touch with their principles. Hmm. Beautiful. I couldn't uh, write as fast as I would like to, but anger makes you wild. Yeah, conviction makes conviction you strong. Conviction makes you strong. I think our our listeners would like to like to capitalize on that one. And and one of the fine and the formula for that it's in my book. Uh, aggression plus principle equals conviction. So aggression is good. Tiger Woods is an aggressive golfer. Aggression plus principle equals conviction. Aggression minus principle equals hostility. So when you just and the principle often is doing the right thing, and it's often having a person inside your head who loved you, a respected advisor, a coach, telling you, uh, take a deep breath and don't say or do what you're about to do because it will only hurt others and yourself, and you're not going to go there. And then from the neuroscience, that brings in kind of more the uh, human brain, like you're talking about, where, where someone can use that critical executive judgment. Right, and 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 uh, I think we executive coaches minimize our influence, uh, and I think we need to step up and be, be willing to be that strong person. Mm. As I was talking about earlier, when I say I only want to work with a team that wants where leaders want to be the best boss ever, and if you're not interested in being that, I'm not going to work with you. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. It also proves to me that coaching can make a huge difference in the ability of a mature leader to make change, to make positive change, to have a great result when they do that. So, Mark, maybe you can give us your website again and, and you know, how to get in touch with you just for, for folks who are going to be interested in that. Yeah. It's uh, markgoulston.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N.com. Also, if you go to my home page, which looks a little bit like Google, uh, and then you can get into my website, you can get my uh, weekly mailing, Usable Insights of 
the week, which has a lot of the tips that I've spoken about today. Which oh, I thanks. love and use often. Okay. Mark, thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate your being here. Next week we have Hugh Lytle, CEO of Star Venture LLC, who's going to talk about performance and leadership in the private equity market. So join us again, and thanks for being there with us. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.